Well, it is good to be able to be back at Dale Bible Church. We were here in August, um, I think probably the first year or so of August, and uh, so just great to be able to be back and to be able to be with um, the extended leadership team this weekend and to be able to um, uh, just see what God continues to do and how he continues to work. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Justin said he was going to introduce me, and then Corey said something about IBL and mentioned our names, so then Justin said, well, I don't need to do anything. So um, I hope, I hope you, yeah, I hope you uh, hopefully introduced us well enough. But I'm Dave Deeds. This is Keith Fleming. Uh, we serve with IBL, and uh, as uh, Corey mentioned, uh, we've we've uh, been serving you all uh, for the last uh, 18 months or so, roughly. And just exciting to see what God is doing here uh, at Dale Bible Church. Good to be able to be back, and thank you for not having snow this weekend. I just want to say thank you for that. Not that you had a lot of control over that, um, and you got rid of the ice before we came in, so I uh, appreciate that. But uh, it is good to be able to be here, and uh, just good to be able to be with you all. Uh, good to spend time with uh, Justin and to uh, see Aaron again and others, so uh, we're thankful for that. This morning we're going to look at a passage in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16, and I've titled this message, We're All in This Together, and I actually hate this statement, uh, because this was ruined during COVID. Um, I don't know about down here, uh, but when I was pastoring in Michigan, we were actually uh, in the process of moving out of being pastor at our church in Michigan. Uh, when COVID hit, and so uh, just remember this phrase being used all of the time. We're all in this together. Um, but uh, we're going to look at this idea this morning, and what we're really going to do, you've got the outline in front of you, or really the handout. It's not really even an outline. It's just a bunch of boxes, and uh, there's nine points, and you may be worried because you're like, wow, nine points. If he takes 10 minutes on these points, that's 90 minutes. Uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, but we're going to walk our way through a succession. It's really a progression that is occurring here uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And as really as Paul is laying out to the church at Ephesus, uh, how do things build upon themselves within the church? What needs to happen? What does that lead to? What does that lead to? All of these things in a progression. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to walk our way through Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I trust that you have... Uh, heard this before, I believe, weren't you, didn't you just, okay, um, Justin is like, I just, dude, I literally just preached through Ephesians, so, um, no, that was two years ago, okay, they've slept since then, so we'll see, if you remember or recall as Justin went through this, uh, but we're going to take a look at this particular passage, and, and really it's taking a look at the body, the, the body of Christ, the church, and how the church works together, labors together, and all of the things that go into the church functioning together as God has designed it. And so I'm trusting that as we kind of build this, and, and you'll look on your handout if you've got it and you're following along, number one is going to be at the very bottom, so it's a little antithetical to how we normally do things starting at the top to the bottom, but we're going to build our way up, kind of like a, a, a building that's going to be laid on the foundation and then culminate with the top part there in Ephesians chapter 4. And so let's like a look at this particular passage of scripture Ephesians chapter 4 uh, it says this and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's have a word of prayer as we look at this text this morning. Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity as we've done this morning to sing praises to you. We're thankful, Father, that your mercy through Jesus Christ is more than we could ever imagine. Your mercies are new every day. Father, what a joy for us to know that as we think about our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, when they live on this earth, when they exist in this world, wherever it may be, politically, socially, culturally, Father, we know that even those days, your mercies will still be new every morning because your faithfulness to us is beyond our comprehension. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you're accomplishing here and doing here through the people of Dale Bible Church. Father, we're, we're thankful for the consistent, faithful preaching of your word each week to allow us to be shaped and formed and fashioned into the image of Jesus Christ. Father, this morning I do pray that you would help us open our hearts, open our minds, give us insight into your word, help us to apply it to our lives and to our hearts. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. If you were to imagine Dale Bible Church in its ideal state, I'm not talking about Indiana or Kentucky, but if you could imagine Dale Bible Church in its ideal state, what would Dale Bible Church look like in your mind? That's probably a scary thought. If we could somehow tap into your brains, and I'm getting a little weird here, if we could tap into your brains and pop them up there where your thought bubbles kind of went up here, it might, might scare some of us. But think about just for a minute, Dale Bible Church in its ideal state, in its ideal function, in its ideal look, how is it going to be functioning and how is it going to be navigating the issues of life? What is it, what is it going to be characterized by? What should Dale Bible Church look like? Well, that's an interesting thought for us. It's an interesting exercise for us to do in our minds because there's a multitude of different things that we could look at. There's several different components of a church and the health of a church and the functionality of a church that we could examine or that we could put on the table to say, well, I, I think it should look like this or I think it should look like this or I think it should look like this. Well, when we look at the book of Ephesians and especially into chapter 4 and this particular section, verses 11 through 16, really what Paul is describing to us is how do we get to the ideal state God desires for your body of believers here at Dale Bible Church. And so we're going to look at this progression. We're going to look at this kind of building blocks, if you will, of how do we get to and what do we need to do? What does it look like in order to have the ideal state in God's eyes produced within Dale Bible Church? See, 
God doesn't talk about how big your building should be or how many people should be here. God isn't going to talk about how many songs you should sing on a Sunday morning. God isn't going to talk about any of those particular details. But he is going to give us a high-level look at this is what I want the culture of Dale Bible Church to look like. This is what I want the, the relationships of Dale Bible Church to look like. In its ideal state, when it's all realized, this is what it should look like. And so, as Paul is just going to go through this kind of building steps, progression process, he's reminding us of this particular aspect of what God desires for us. And so let's begin to look in verse 11. He gave, the word he there is referring up to the previous text of scripture, which was talking about Christ. Uh, it's talking about he is the one that, that uh, ascended far above the heavens. He might feel all things. It's Christ. Christ gave to the church some people. Christ gave to the church these people. He gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Five people that Paul mentions here. We could go and look at this particular text of Scripture and lay it out in a biblical theology, a framework of the history of Scripture, and say, okay, we don't have apostles today. There are some who would disagree with that. Hopefully not in this room, but there are probably some who would disagree with that. But we don't have apostles. Those were people who saw and witnessed the ministry, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. They were the apostles that lived at that particular time in the first century who witnessed the, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The prophets, those that came before them. We can argue that there is a gift of prophecy, not foretelling, but proclaiming the word of God that should exist. But the office of prophet was something that we saw in the Old Testament. He gave the evangelists, those who, who went out and, and began to do the work, much like Paul would have been, to go out and to, to reach people for the cause of Christ, to plant churches, and then to continue to move on. But then it says he gave us the shepherds and the teachers. We would say that those offices, the office of shepherd and teacher, virtually the same office, exists today. God gave to the church elders, pastors, to do certain tasks, to do certain things. Here he's describing two particularly different roles or functions of that. One is the poimain, the shepherd, the one who cares for and nurtures and, and ministers to the flock and ministers to the body. When, when you're sick and in the hospital, you want somebody to come and to visit you and to pray for you and to encourage you and to help you or when you're going through some difficult waters and and you need somebody to to sit on the couch with you and to and to just to weep with you or to 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 go through the difficulties of life with you the shepherd is there to help you the the pastoral role we know that Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. We know that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. But we know from 1 Peter chapter 5 that he has given to us under shepherds to live and to minister within the body. And he's given to us teachers, those who instruct us, those who communicate to us God's word, those who, who communicate to us what God's word is teaching to us. Being a teacher is not limited to the role of a pastor or elder. You can have people who teach, 
who maybe serve in other capacities or hold other offices within the church. You could have people who teach who aren't a, a pastor or a deacon in the official role or the official office. But God has been good to us. Christ has been good to us. And he's given to the church these five roles. To the body of believers, over the course of time, these five roles have been given. And they've been given for a purpose. Why is Justin here? Why are the elders here? Why are the people here that God has brought here to teach and to instruct and to guide and to give us the the teachings of God's word? What are they here for? Well, Paul is going to mention that in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Your first number one down there at the very bottom is this. Elders equip the saints. Is that coming in backwards? Oh. When I, I don't know what's going on. When I did this last night, I started on one like it was supposed to, but we'll let Noah and Terry figure all that out it should start at the bottom with one and go up this is why we don't allow me to use technology so if they can figure this out i'll try to give it to you it'll be very simple the first box out at the very bottom should say elders equip the saints there you go you got all the answers just fill them in you're good terry you're all right thank you I like, so if, if I were you, like I hardly ever take notes, I would like this. I'm like, okay, shh, fill them all in. So go ahead and fill them in. You got it. You can just leave it up there. Quite honestly, it's okay. Elders equip the saints. This is an interesting concept. There is a Greek word, and I don't want to act like, like, wow, I'm an expert in Greek. I know a few words. I'm probably dangerous. A Greek professor in seminary would probably tell you, like, don't listen to Dietz. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But there is a Greek word here that is very interesting for us. It is a Greek word, katartizo, which isn't going to help you pay your bills on Friday. But this Greek word is found here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. And it's found in one other passage. It's actually found in a couple of other passages. But it's found in another interesting passage of Scripture. But this word, equip, katartizo, means to make fully ready. In some sense, it means to to right a ship or to repair something, to, to put it back into its original condition. It means to prepare it, to make fully ready. So God has given to the church elders, leaders who are there to equip the saints. They are there to, to make fully ready. They are there to prepare them. They are there to basically return them to an original state of being able to be used. God has given to us those men who allow us to have what we need through God's word to be prepared for something. The Greek word that is used here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, is the same word that's used in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. In fact, if you turn over there, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, says this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him... In a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. 
bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This word in verse 1, you who are spiritual should restore him, is the same Greek word with the same idea in Ephesians 4, verse 12, as in Galatians 6, verse 1. In other words, you come to church. Let's just imagine for one second, you come to church and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of screwed up. I've been at some other churches, and they told me, like, I made too much of a mess in my life, and I'm probably a second-class citizen right now, and there's really no hope for me, so I'll just kind of come, and I'll just kind of sit somewhere, and I'll be quiet, and I won't say anything, and I'll just hope that maybe, you know what, maybe I'm qualified to, I don't know, get Pastor Justin a, a bottle of water occasionally, but that's about as much as I'm worth. Quite honestly, there are churches who function within that mindset. You say, you know what, you made some mistakes, you messed up your life, you're no good, you're kind of on the back burner, you're a second-class citizen, so kind of coast out the rest of your life. We're really sorry that you're not perfect outwardly like the rest of us, and so we'll just kind of put you on the back burner. That is an unbiblical approach to the spiritual formation of believers within a body of Christ. You should be able to come to a church like Dale Bible Church, And you should be able to come broken, just like the song says. You should be able to come and say, I've made some mistakes. I've done some things. I've had some issues. I've got some problems in my life. My life does not have a perfect track record. But you know what? I want to be used by God, and I'm willing to be used by God. And is there somebody that can help me? And Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 is using the same Greek word. Paul is using the same idea, the same word in Galatians 6, 1 that he's using in Ephesians 4, verse 12. It's the Greek word katartizo. So in Galatians 6.1, he is telling us, brothers, if you're caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, well, who are the spiritual people of the church? It should, if, if, if it's not the elders, you need to have a different church or you need to have different elders. The pastors, the leaders of the church who should be the spiritual ones who come alongside you and do what? They cut our tizzo, you. They restore you. They make you usable again. They give you what you need in order to continue to serve Jesus Christ. So God has given, Christ has given to the church, elders, leaders, pastors, shepherds, teachers, who are there to equip the saints to make fully ready to prepare them for the work of God. That's what Paul is addressing here in in the book of Ephesians. He's talking in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. God has given to us, As a body, elders, teachers, shepherds, those who are going to equip us, to equip us, which means what? It means we have to be willing to be equipped. I mean, I think about this in terms of a lot of different things within Scripture. If God has commanded us, I'll just go off on a small rabbit trail. If God has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, then what do people need to be willing to do? They need to be willing to be baptized so that I can be faithful to fulfill the commands God has asked me to do. So if God has given the command to the pastors or to the elders, the leaders, to equip the body, then what does the body need to naturally do? allow themselves to be equipped. And I know you have equip classes, and this is not a plug for equip classes. This is just a general statement that says, listen, a good, godly believer is going to say, you know what, actually, I haven't arrived. 
I don't know everything there is to know, and I need to allow the leaders that God has given to us to equip me to do the work that God has called me to do. So there has to be both a willingness on the body to be equipped, and there has to be an ability on the leadership part to equip the saints. There's frustration that will occur within a body of believers when you either have leaders who are not willing to equip or you have congregants who are not willing to be equipped. It's a mutual relationship that must exist and must occur. And so Paul is reminding us here, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, the first thing, the foundational thing that we're looking at is God has given the elders equip the saints. But then there's a second thing that happens. To do what? You say, well, what are we being equipped to, to do? And again, this isn't, has nothing to do necessarily with equipped classes at Dale Bible Church, although I'm guessing there's probably some desire for this to be the purpose but the second thing, this number two, the second box that you have there is this. Saints do work of the ministry. Elders equip me as a saint, as a congregant. Elders are to equip me. Pastors, teachers, shepherds equip me so that I can do the work of ministry for the cause of Christ. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. So pastors, teachers, elders are there to equip the saints so that the saints do the work of the ministry. Box number three in your outline, your handout there, for what purpose? It's this. Saints do the work of the ministry. That's number two. The body is built up. So elders equip. Saints do the work. The body is built. This is another interesting Word. This Greek word that is here is oikodome, which means to advance spiritually. It's this idea of being able to move forward, and we would say maybe moving forward for the cause of Christ. So elders and pastors and leaders are equipping the saints, and they're giving the saints what they need in order to be fully prepared and fully ready to do what God has called them to do. Well, what are they supposed to do? They are supposed to do the work of the ministry. And what happens when the saints are doing the work of the ministry? The body is going to be built up. It's going to be able to spiritually advance. It's going to be able to move forward for the cause of Christ. If there's stagnation that is occurring within a church, sometimes the issue to that is elders, pastors, leaders are not equipping the saints. And sometimes it's the fact that the saints are not then taking the equipping and actually doing the work that God has called them to do. But when those two things happen, elders are equipping and the saints are, being, uh, are doing the work of the ministry, the body is going to be built up. It's going to be able to advance spiritually. Well, what happens when the body is built up? What happens when the body is advancing spiritually? Well, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood... To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Your fourth blessing is the body matures. Elders equip. The saints do the work of the ministry. The body is built up. The body matures. Have you ever been to a church that is in Probably you have. It's possible that in some places, in some cases, Dale Bible Church is not always mature. 
there may be some people within Dale Bible Church who are not spiritually mature as God has desired them to be. So how do we bring people to spiritual maturity? How do we bring people to the point that God wants them to come to? The idea here is to be fully grown and to be fully grown in Christian faith and virtue. In other words, we don't ever arrive. We don't ever reach, achieve perfection. We don't ever get there, but we are striving to be Christ-like. Like what Paul says in, in Philippians, follow me as I follow Christ. We're continually advancing f- towards the cause of becoming like Christ. So elders equip the saints. The saints do the work of the ministry. The body is built up. The body matures. There's several different things that Paul addresses here in verse 13. Uh, What does maturity look like? Well, maturity looks like this. Until we all attain to the unity of the flesh, until we all attain to the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, What is Paul addressing for us in verse 13? Paul is saying, listen, a mature congregation is a unified congregation. A mature congregation is a congregation that knows Jesus Christ. That's what Paul talks about. I I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. A mature congregation is one who is measuring to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, Christ is the goal, Christ is the standard, and that's what we're striving for. Justin Halder is not the standard at Dale Bible Church. Right? You don't come and say, well, as long as I'm as spiritual as him, I'm okay. He may be a spiritual person. The standard by which God judges each one of us is not anyone else other than Jesus Christ. So we have to look at this and say, am I more like Christ today than I was yesterday? Am I advancing in this process of becoming like Christ as he desires me to become? And so Paul is addressing this as he's looking here in verse 13 to say, these are all the components of a mature body, a mature group of believers. They are unified in the faith. They are knowledgeable of the Son of God. And they come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Is Dale Bible Church unified? I literally don't know the answer to that. I'm not here. I'm not part of your assembly. But this is the maturity mark that Paul is giving to us. We should be a unified body. That's different than being uniform, and that's different than being unanimous. Unity is not uniformity. You could all wear the same clothes, the same exact outfits. It'd be weird. You could wear everything exactly the same and not be unified. You'd be uniform, like the military does that. Everybody looks the same. Unity is not uniformity, nor is unity unanimity. We don't all think the same, right? The hundred or so of us that are in this room all have different thoughts. If we said, hey, we are all going to go to lunch after church today, where do you guys want to go? Field that question, right? Everyone's going to have an opinion, a strong opinion. Well, we may not be unanimous, but we can be united together. So unity is coming together. John 17, John 13, where John is talking about Christ's words there. He's saying, Father, I want them to be one just as you and I are one. The Trinity is the standard. The, the co-laboring of the Trinity is the standard by which we, we perform all of our duties and we, we gauge all of our actions. So Paul says, elders equip the saints. The saints do the work of the ministry. The body is built up. The body matures. But then look at 14. 
Number five, stabilize us so that we may no longer be children. Why? Because we're maturing. That we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Pastor Justin alluded to this just a little bit in Sunday school or equip or whatever it was that we did at 9 o'clock. He alluded to this idea. How do, we, how do we see somebody going off into the muck? Well, because we don't even know that they're going off into the muck and we follow them. It's amazing to me how many things there are within so-called Christianity that are pulling us away from the actual truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things that amazed me as a pastor, I served in pastoral ministry for 20 years. I was a lead pastor for seven years in Michigan. And I could preach a whole series of messages on the book of Ephesians or Colossians or Philippians or whatever, and hardly anybody would really make any comments to me. And then somebody would come to me, inevitably, somebody would come and say, oh, Pastor Dave, I just went to the Christian bookstore on Friday and I found this book and it's the most amazing thing ever and let me tell you everything in it. I'm like, that's like, that's antithetical. That's opposite of what the Bible's been telling you and yet that's the most amazing thing you can tell me about? Like, how did that happen? Does that guy have some special magic when he writes to just suck you in and pull you in? And then oftentimes, what? Ha- oh, Pastor Dave, I bought 25 copies. I'm giving them out to everybody here. Oh, please don't. Because that's actually pulling us away from the things of God. Christianity as a whole is actually very immature. Christianity as a whole is very immature and very tossed to and fro. By all the things that Paul describes here, we are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We've spent too much time being caught up in all of the affairs and the things of this world. If Fox News is on a 24-7 news cycle in your home, you probably need to cut back on that a little bit. If MSNBC is on a 24-7 news cycle in your home, you probably need to cut back on that a little bit. But as we travel and as we minister to churches all across the country, it is like this. The emotions of believers is directly tied to whatever news channel they get their news from. And their life is like this. Every day it's something new, it's something different, something crazy, something chaotic. In case you don't realize it, every one of those news channels has an agenda that they are trying to push to get you to watch their news channel. And Christians should not be doing this number by all the waves of everything that happens in this world to be, okay, we know what's going on. But you know what? Actually, this world's not our home. And God is actually still in control of this world, whether we realize it or not. And it's going to be okay. And our confidence of our faith is going to rest in the sovereign hand of God And he's going to carry us safely home until we see Jesus Christ. And it's going to be okay. Christianity is like this, though. This is what Paul is talking about in verse 14. How do we get to the point where we fulfill verse 14? How do we get to the point where we are no longer children who are tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes? How do we get there? It starts at number one. Elders equip the saints. Saints do the work of the ministry. If you do that, the body is going to be built up, the body is going to mature, and the body is going to stabilize. 
Paul is trying to communicate to us, listen, church function is not rocket science. Elders preach and teach the Bible, and saints be willing to be taught and preach the word of God and allow yourself to be built up, to be equipped to do the work that God has called you to do. It's really a simple formula. But the fact of the matter is American Christianity has been bombarded by everything possible. My wife sent me a, a, a very fascinating podcast of, of someone who has been on national TV for years and reality shows, and she's come out of the movement that she was in and, and made reference to someone in this podcast a, a few years ago, and I don't even know if you know this name, but Joshua Harris came out. As, as rejecting everything that he had ever written. He was the guy that wrote, I kissed dating goodbye. And now he's come out and said, I want nothing to do with it. He was actually the pastor at the main Sovereign Grace Church. We sang some Sovereign Grace songs. I'm not suggesting we should stop doing that. But he, he was the lead pastor at one of the main Sovereign Grace churches and several years ago came out and said, "Up, oh, it's all baloney. I don't believe any of it. I'm deconstructing. So in this podcast that I was watching last night, there was an uh, a mention of him and how he is deconstructed and then a mention that one of his newest ministries i guess i don't think that's the right word but one of his newest programs is the fact that he is now giving a starter kit to help other people deconstruct out of christianity so not only is it like hey this is what i'm doing but now it's like let me help you deconstruct out of this and there are people who are going to flock to receive this and flock to hear this and flock to take it in. Why? Because they don't fulfill verse 14. They're not mature. The church is not stable. There is not a stability that exists within the church. And so we are like children. We are tossed to and fro by the waves. And we are carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So elders equip the saints, the saints do the work in the ministry, the body is built up, the body matures, the body stabilizes, and then verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. When these things occur, the elders equip the saints, the saints do the work in the ministry, the body is built up, the body matures, the body stabilizes, the body changes into the image of Christ. Dale Bible Church, as leaders think about this church, they should say, how do we get this place to being stable? Because stability is going to allow the people to be able to grow up and to change into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what we're striving to do. So if elders equip and the body does the work of the ministry, the body is going to be built up, the body is going to mature, the body is going to stabilize, and the body is going to change into the image of of Christ. This is the fulfillment that we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, that we speak the truth in love. The body speaking the truth in love, the body engaged in loving one another, the body engaged in loving Christ because we're being changed into his image, we're being, we're being drawn into what he desires for us. But then number 7, how does all of this happen? You say, That's a, there's a lot of moving parts that have to happen. Boy, as, as elders equip the saints, and as the saints do the work of the ministry, the body's built up, the body stabilizes, the body changes into the image of Christ. Well, how does this all happen? And chaos 
does not occur before that comes to fruition. It's number seven. Christ holds the body together as elders equip the joints, which are the saints. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we've grown up into Christ, who is the head. Coming into verse 16, the implication there is it is Christ who is holding the body together. Pastor Justin is going through the book of Colossians. I've heard rumors that he's got a few messages on the book of Colossians. I have no idea where he's at. You made it past verse 1 of chapter 1? Okay. <laughs> We're in chapter 1. In five years when we come back, it might be in chapter 2. No, I'm just kidding. Chapter 1 of the book of... Have you hit 15 through 20? Oh, last week. Good. We, we joked that I was going to preach a message he preached last week just to see if you knew what he had talked about. So I'm actually going to allude to it. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20 reminds us of what? Christ is holding all things together. In him, through him, by him, all things consist. He is the one who is holding us together. I love the song by the Gettys, He Will Hold Me Fast, because it's a perfect description of what Christ is doing. I am not holding on to him. I am not the one who is the all-sufficient. He is the sufficiency for us as a body of believers. And Christ is going to hold Dale Bible Church together as the elders equip the saints, as the saints do the work of the ministry, as the body is built up, as the body matures, as the body uh, stabilizes, as the body grows into Christ. Christ is holding us together because that doesn't happen overnight. What's our confidence that Dale Bible Church has even a hope of existing? The confidence of Dale Bible Church having a hope of existing is Jesus Christ who holds us together. While the elders are equipping the joints, the people, the individual relationships, the individual people within the body, as the elders are equipping them and working with them and helping them and and bringing them to a point of maturity and, and bringing them to the point where they can grow up into Christ, Christ is holding us all together because that might take us some time. And so we don't have to sit here and sweat and fret and worry and, and wonder, oh, is Dale Bible Church going to make it? I mean, like, churches can be stupid and we can do dumb things but christ is going to hold us together to bring us to the point that he wants to bring us to if you look back over the history of dale bible church there has probably been some ebbs and flows some of you have been here for a while you've seen some things like this like okay that was that was interesting not oh now things are great Ooh, now not so great now they're great who held you together christ is holding you together So Christ holds the body together as elders equip the saints, which means what? Number eight, Christ, the elders, and the body must work together. This is the co-laboring, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is God, God the Son is God, God the Holy Spirit is God. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not the Son, all of that. They are co-laboring together. It blows my mind theologically 
that an all-sufficient God, three in one, needs anybody else other than the one. But they work together. Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. In, in the redemption process, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all work together in the redemption process. It is the Father's will. It is the Son who died. It is the Holy Spirit who draws. They labor together. And so we take the beauty of the Trinity and we bring it into the local assembly and we say, well, how does the local assembly work together? It has to work together when, the, when Christ and the elders and the body labor together. The leadership and the Christ and the saints all labor together. That's what makes it work. That's how God has intended it. We image the Trinity as we labor together. And then the final box, number nine. The three work together, the body is built up in love. When the leadership, Christ, and the body work together, what happens? The last statement here in verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every with which it is equipped, the saints being equipped from verse 12, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The question that we asked at the very beginning of this is picture Dale Bible Church in its ideal state. God doesn't give us here a number. doesn't give us here a size of church. He doesn't give us anything here that we like to have tangible things that we can hold on to. What does Christ give us here? He gives us this, the culture of a church that is being built up, that is being equipped, that is stable, that is mature, that is growing into Christ, that is trusting Christ to hold it together. The, the ideal state of that church is this, it is building itself up in love. It's the Shema. It is the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That love isn't like, as Pastor Justin alluded to earlier in Sunday school, that love isn't like, hey, anything goes, man. We just love you. Sometimes we have to speak the truth, but we speak it in love. We care about one another, therefore we confront one another. We love one another, therefore we fulfill the one another's. We edify, we exhort, we, we, we welcome one another. We do all of the things to fulfill the one another's. The culture of Dale Bible Church is love for Christ, love for God, and love for one another. Which doesn't mean, hey, everybody just do what you want because that's what love is. That's not what love is. Liberal theology has hijacked and kidnapped the love of God and weaponizes it against everybody. That says, if you don't support what I do against Scripture, you're not loving. That's not what love is. That's not what God's definition of love is. But a body of believers who is being equipped by the elders, who is doing the work of the ministry, who is, who is being built up, who is, who is maturing into Christ, who is seeing itself come to a stable point, is being changed into the image of Christ, is being held together by Jesus Christ, is seeing the, the, the Christ and the leadership and the body working together, is going to build itself up in love. That's the process. 
It starts with the leadership doing what they are told to do, and it starts with the congregation doing what they have been told to do. And when the two work together to do that, the process works as God intended it to work. It's interesting because we looked at a lot of different Greek words, but there's one particular Greek word that we did not look at, and it's actually found back up in verse 12, and it's in the second box. The saints do the work of ministry. What does that mean, saints do the work of ministry? That probably just means that Pastor Justin's lazy and you don't want to do anything, so I guess we have to do it all around here. There are some people that might think that. I don't know. I wasn't pastor, maybe I'm just cynical. There are probably some people who are sitting in the pew going, <laughs> that's probably what that means. It's a good gig if you can get it. And we have to do all the work, and you just get to be the pastor. That's not what that means. Here's an interesting Greek word that is used in verse 12. To equip the saints for what? The second box, the work of ministry. The Greek word that Paul uses for ministry is the word diakonos which is where we get the word deacon, which means what? Every believer is a deacon. Here's what happens in churches. In churches that we serve and we minister to, in churches that we have pastored, here's what happens. Oh, we need some deacons. Okay, we got three guys. I think you got three guys. We got Noah, we got Roger, we got Corey. Is Cody one too? I don't know. Cody? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Cody's staring at me through the window going, huh? All right, well, there you go. See? Okay, good. So we look at them and we go, well, we got four guys, three guys. If one doesn't know, you don't know. We got three guys, maybe four. We're not sure. Those are the deacons. So when it says, okay, fine, Dave, I can understand to equip the saints for the work of being a deacon. Great. <laughs> okay, so it's not just you. That's cool. You got other guys. Great. Roger, Corey, Noah. Come on, guys. It's not that at all either. It's every one of you who claims to be a believer sitting in this room who's part of Dale Bible Church who says, oh, I need to be equipped so that I can serve the body of believers as God has gifted me to serve. This passage of scripture, because it's building this progression that Paul is alluding to to say, how do we get to this point where the body is building itself up in love? Well, we start with the elders equipping and the saints doing the work of the ministry and then it moves into being built up and then it moves into maturity and moves into stabilization and then it moves into being changed in the image of Christ. And we go through the process. How do we get to this point? It's not by electing two or three guys to do our jobs for us. It's by every believer in this room going, oh, I'm a deacon. I am a servant. That's all a deacon means. I'm a servant. Pastor Justin is a deacon. You say, wait a minute. I thought he was, how can you be both a pastor and a deacon? Because every believer is to be a deacon. A servant, that's all it means. Sorry, guys, I didn't mean to deflate your bubble if you thought it was really cool to be a deacon. A deacon is a servant. So Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, he's saying, listen, the elders are there to equip you, to give you what you need, to make you fully ready, so that we all together 
including the pastors, the elders, whatever you want to call them, including all of us, serve. So the question today, I thought about starting this at the beginning, but I decided not to because I don't like bait and switches. I thought about asking at the beginning how many of you are deacons in this church, and I know the answer would be like the only three guys would raise their hands. But the reality is if we asked you this, now going through this text of Scripture, who are the deacons of Dale Bible Church? You know who should raise their hand? Every person who is a believer who's part of Dale Bible Church. That's who are the deacons, the servants. Because when the body is being Uh, When the body is functioning the way God intended it to function, the leaders are doing what they're supposed to do, and the body is doing what they're supposed to do. We know Christ is going to do what he's supposed to do. Nobody needs to remind him of that. Christ is holding us all together while everyone is working together in part of the church. What is going to happen? The church is going to be built up. The church is going to mature. The church is going to stabilize. The church is going to grow into the image of Jesus Christ. And the church is going to build itself up in love so that it demonstrates we actually love one another because we love Christ. Who doesn't want a church that is growing? Not numerically necessarily, but growing spiritually. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want a church that is maturing? Who doesn't want a church that is stable? Every one of us who is a committed believer of Jesus Christ should say, well, that's what I want for Dale Bible Church doesn't matter how big our building is doesn't matter how many people come we want to know that we are a body that is built up in jesus christ we want to we want to be a body that is maturing in jesus christ we want to be a a body that is stable that's what we want that that is demonstrating the love of god to one another that's what we want that's the ideal state of dale bible church well how does that happen leaders do your job and if you're not a leader, congregant, saint, do your job. That's it. It's simple. Leaders, equip the saints, and the saints, all of you, be deacons. And serve one another as God has gifted you. It's not, I hate formulas within church, but it's like, it's just kind of here. It's how Paul has put this. To say, listen... It, There's hundreds of thousands of books that are written on church life and church growth and church function and all these things. And then you look at this text and you're like, well, shoot, you could write like a really a half a page paper. And and maybe even just steal Nike slogan. Just do it. Leaders, do what God has called you to do and saints, do what God has called you to do. Because Christ is going to do what he's going to do. We don't need to remind him. So the only people that have an issue are us. I don't know if that's good English or not, but we are the ones that have the issue. So God has called us to equip. God has called us to serve. Each person in the church must not only see themselves as a deacon, but must do the work of a deacon. And it's incumbent. It's the responsibility of the leadership to make sure there aren't more things that have to be done than is physically possible for the body to do. I mentioned this to the leadership team this weekend when I was pastoring our church when it was about two years in. We had several of our leadership came to me and they said, Dave, no one in this church is serving. I'm like, well, okay, that's not true. But clearly they're frustrated. And so we made a spreadsheet and we had said for the congregation in our church, we want you to value Sunday morning. We want you to be involved in some form of discipleship. 
that for us that was Sunday school, that was our small group ministry, that was maybe a men's Bible study, women's Bible study, pick one and just let's be discipled. And then serve in one ministry. I'm like, I just, I can't buy the fact that our people don't serve, but I understand every Sunday we were getting up saying, we need help here, we need help here, we need help here. We, it was like a broken record. And so we made a spreadsheet, we listed everybody there, we talked about, okay, do they come Sunday morning, how often, okay. Are they in some form of discipleship? Yeah, 60-some percent were in discipleship. That wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't bad. But when we got to the service category, every one of the people that we listed were involved in one ministry. They had actually done what we had asked them to do. So I had to go back to our leadership and say, actually, the problem is with us. We have too many ministries that we are trying to function here and not enough people to actually run those ministries. That's why every week we are constantly pounding on people. We need help, we need help, we need help, we need help. And the people were actually doing what we had asked them to do. So then the leadership had to say, what do we need to pull back on? What is going to help us accomplish what God has called us to? So there's responsibility on the leadership part. There's responsibility on the congregation part. But God has called us to this. God has called us to, if we're in leadership as an elder, as a pastor, equip the saints. If we're a congregant, if we're a saint, allow ourselves to be equipped so that we all can do the work of a deacon, which is a servant. That's it. That's all it means. So that we can see God do what he intends to do with our body. Which is to allow us to be built up. Allow us to mature. Allow us to be stable. Allow us to grow into the image of Jesus Christ. All while being held together by him. As the elders, the leadership, the congregation in Christ all labor together. And it expresses itself in the body being built up in love. That's what God desires the ideal state of Dale Bible Church to be. You've spent a lot of time, it was actually more than eight hours, Corey. We've spent a lot of time this weekend wandering through, talking through, processing through. What, what, what can we do? Dale Bible Church is in a great place. God is working. And you are ready and prepared to move forward. The question is, will you be the hindrance to moving forward to a mature, stable church that is growing in Christ-likeness and building itself up in love. The Bible Church has a ton of potential. Christ isn't the one who has the issue. The issue may be with each one of us in some form or fashion. Each one of us needs to say, I need to do what God has asked me to do and then just watch him do what he has told us he would do. What a great opportunity to be part of the body of Christ, the body of believers, to see our great and powerful God work in amazing ways to do some amazing things with all of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word this morning. Father, I do pray that you would be with each one of us. Father, help us to do what you have called us to do. Help us to serve and help us to be the believers you want us to be. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.